sunscreen is for those who need the sun to uh, screen their radiation pores. Um, <laughs> I'm a big fan of radiation. Um, I think radiation is actually what keeps the world going. You know, that's road population control. Um, <laughs> uh, like this uh, podcast, it's very microwavable. Um, uh, very little effort, very little time spent. And um, when you taste it, you're like, meh, it's good for what it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, welcome to episode 196 of the Often Be Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host. Clint Nelson. Uh, Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell, but most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. Oh, I'm bringing the energy. Um, Drink, because I'm ready to down a few bitches in this pod. Um, Not literal bitches, because we don't commit bestiality around here. Um... But yeah, recording this at 1.38 a.m. Eastern on May 26. Jesus Christ, life's going by fast. On May 26, 2023. Um, yeah, this podcast is a gold standard of um, if you just keep doing it, someone will accidentally listen. Um, yeah, the numbers are going up. Kind of. Uh, oh, Batman, Batman, turn your head, now you're getting pistol whipped by the Batman. I was actually, uh, not only when people come up to you and assume because you look like a fictional creature, so they assume that you watch that stuff. So, like, I love, like, I, I enjoy the comic book movies. I like Batman. I like Superman. I like all that good stuff. Um, Thor, you know. The thing is, is I'm not really, and this is kind of, I'm not really into anime on a just surface level. I'm not talking about like the commercialized children like on the Cartoon Network and stuff back in the day like Dragon Ball Z and Yu-Gi-Oh! Because when I think of those shows, I don't really think it's anime, I, even though technically it is. But you get what I'm saying. But, like, there's something weird about someone being into that world when as they get older. And they almost seem more attached to it. I don't know. I just kind of think that anime is kind of an immature, childish thing when you get to a certain point in your life. And I'm not, but I don't tell anyone what to do with their lives. But when I get accused of doing childish things or being into things that are considered man childish, right? It, there's this thing where it's like, hmm. I see these grown people being obsessed with characters that don't even, who words don't even mouth with the words that they're saying. Um, it's, it almost looks like some cheap animation on a popular opinion. And I get the whole storytelling. I, I like, I get all that stuff. I'm not trying to shit on anime, but what I am saying is it can good like anime. Um, but, um, what I am saying is I just kind of think that anime is this really 
Um, it's a trendy thing. I think that's the main thing. I think there's a lot of people that start watching it as they're older and they may have never been into that because it's trendy. Uh, the bitch is trendy. Um, <laughs> thanks, Drake. Drake's got a line for everything. Um, and that's the thing. Like, I can't really sit here and reference just like specific anime shows. You know why? Because I don't fucking watch anime. But when you get to an age and like that's like your thing, there's something weird about that. Like escapism. Oh, baby, I'll escape into your isms. Um, anyone that's got isms, like these sayings of life, they call it, they'll always say their name isms. Oh, I got grandma blank isms. Um, you know, when you leave after dark, the only thing you'll be getting is, you know, a dark future. Because um, nothing good happens after 3 a.m. There's only, it's like the saying, there's only three things open after 4 a.m. Wildwiles, gas stations, and vagina. That's like what all the grandmothers used to say. You know, I think that's... That's how it goes, right? Um, I mentioned a lot about vagina on the show, even though I'm not really into that. Not like not into vagina, but I'm like not into the obsession with talking about vagina. That just made me... If you're a first-time listener, I think you kind of assume my sexuality at this point. Um, it's the cult of sexuality. And anime is really a cult. Um, <laughs> kind of not joking. Because they make these design, like, I guess cartoons in general, we just put life's lessons and morals and ways of living and we put in this decorative cartoonish and it's accessible. But if you were to put that in a real TV show of these same lessons, it would be a lot of outcry. Since it's anime, people just kind of like, it's an excuse to get lost into something and be something that's not real. Damn, I sound like an old fucking head. And I have friends that watch anime. And they are productive members of society. They are very successful, some of them. And they they do a lot of good for themselves. Like, there's nothing wrong with watching it, you know. But it just generally, if we're going to be honest, the, the assumption, the generalization I make when grown when a grown man, or I guess even woman to an extent, watch anime and like really delved into that world it's like damn like you're like you've given up um (laughs) not given up but there's definitely a real escape and escapism is this fascinating thing where there's the usual suspects for what escapism is um escapism is the easy stuff you know whether that's drugs whether that's alcohol whether that's um, vagina, um, <laughs> which actually that is a form of escape, escapism. Um, the, these big sins that, you know, these religious heads will try to, oh, and now gambling, oh, it's escapism. It's like, you know what's not escaping? Um, when I could go do shit with money that I went off this and how easy it is to make money doing that than going to spend six hours of my life to go you know, put my body through some strenuous activity or go sit somewhere because I've conducted that once, filled out an application that I want to work here. Now I have to work there. And they expect me to show up at times and places, you know? But I could just spend 
X amount of dollars and win eight to 10 times that amount by literally not contributing to why that amount is going to either win or lose. Someone else, some stranger is going to get more than six rebounds. Some stranger is going to take less than four three-pointers and I'm going to win a hundred bucks. But we have these outcry of, oh, these gambling. You know, really, like, honestly, these sins that these, uh, like, gambling, like, these these very uh, narcotic, ooh, there's a word, these narcotic type of things that, yes, because they're so obsessive, they can become very addictive to the mind. And I get it. You know, whether it's that, sex, gambling, drugs and all that, all the alcohol, it can all overtake your life and you ride or die with how those things affect and make you feel and your moods. And it starts off as a casual, starts off as a fun thing, but then it turns into this rolling ball if you're actually good at this shit. Um, <laughs> and you're like, man, like why have a job when I can do this? Because I think you know, looking into it, you still actually, if you make a reasonable income gambling or doing any of this stuff, you actually do, if you make X amount, you do have to claim it as income. And it's absurd that we would even call this income, but Jesus, keep it coming. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I admit like I'm starting to really get into this shit. And I haven't done the real gambling. I haven't sat at a table and tried to hide my cards and like, you know, ooh, I got a Royal straight. And then like 10K was on the line, like Casino Royale with James Bond. Like it ain't that serious. Like gambling on like certain things is barely legal where I live, but there's certain legal ways you can do this stuff. It just can't be, apparently for sports, you can't gamble on the game like spreads and stuff but you can do individual players more or less of this and um i just gotta say man like anyone that shames gambling like i don't understand like i understand we have gambling hotlines gambling addiction it's a thing for a reason there's rehab centers that exist for a reason um but those are also scams so like hey you just lost you know your whole life savings on gambling because you are this bad person but please give us thirty thousand dollars so you can stay here a month even though you just spent your whole life savings because this will make your life a lot easier after you leave here it's like hey and then we call it hey i can't pay this debt it's like did you not take the five-step process we took that we taught you it's like yeah you know you're gonna you may have this debt but you know what you're gonna have you're gonna have your family, you're going to have peace of mind, you're going to have a new grasp of sensation and purpose in your life, and you're not going to let something control you, it's like, yeah, because the thing controlling me is you now, with this debt, so I have a different type of debt to pay, that I don't even enjoy paying, I didn't even volunteer to come here, I I was interventioned, because I had no money left, um, and it's funny how our solutions, when people don't have money, is, hey, Go pay for something that's exponentially more money when you have no money. Well, you know what? No matter what, you got to invest in yourself. Yeah, you know what? You know who sells those invest in yourself, people? People who took buyouts. People who took money from other people and companies. Like, to literally invest in yourself, 
you have to actually have something to invest in yourself. Just as like, oh, you just gotta constantly, you know, keep the ice cream churning. Um, it's like, all right, man. I'm just here to say, I think gambling should be 100% legal. It's weird we have this thing, this like anti-fringe on gambling type of thing. And I get how much it could ruin families. I get, but you know what? Um, if me, if I would ever lose my wife or my girlfriend or my, I don't know, maybe not my kids. That's where I draw a line. But the ladies, the wives and girlfriends, you know, you're a dime a dozen. Kidding. Mostly. Um, (laughs) but I can't just replace my child. This, I sound like a complete douchebag. I do not mean to come off the way I'm coming off. Um, um, but it's like you can always repair your image, and if if a if a woman leaves you or divorces you, you can't really repair your image if your children have nothing to do with you anymore because of your personal decisions that are deemed uh, harmful to self or unreliable. You're financially unreliable. Or you're just not really. They can't. No one can rely on you to be stable. Because you're in this constant influx of money and shit. It's like, but if, you know, if I were to have someone leave me because I have a quote-unquote gambling problem, I would not flinch one bit because I would just keep placing bets. Um, <laughs> I think the issue, I think maybe the reason why I gamble, because the things people are willing to do to pay off certain bets and shit. That if they really get deep in the rabbit hole, they really get deep into it. I understand, like, oh shit, like, yeah, it's like the things people are willing to do to pay off these things. It's pretty, it's pretty scary. But if you keep it disciplining, you just keep winning. Just stop losing. Um, <laughs> ah, Jesus. But nah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah. Moral of the story is, I think gambling's fine. Um, it doesn't need to be vilified. We have to look at this with like this twenty foot pole. And I used to be this. I don't. I didn't like get the whole point of like gambling. Like I get it, but at the same time, I was like, you know, this just seems like a waste of money, right? And if you keep losing, it's a waste of money. But when you win, there is this feeling of damn, life is so fucking easy. Um, and when you lose, you're like, damn, life is also that fucking easy at losing. Ooh. Um, it's weird how I can place something, literally spend two minutes of effort into something, put 15 bucks in, fuck it, put 20 bucks in. I put 20 bucks of $20 of money and depending on what you do. I, I, on this thing that I'm doing, I can win $200. So $180 of profit. Essentially, by going to work, going about my day, I can literally work two, I can make two days full of pay with actually only working one. Literally by putting one bet in, profit included, I basically, two minutes of effort equaled 12, 10 to 11 hours of actual labor. Of what I do. At the time. Think about that. Like something you didn't even have to do. You're not even. The control. It's this 
and that's kind of the thrill of it is that you have no power of how this thing ends, of how it works, how it does. Everything is out of your hands once you give them whatever you got in your hands. Um, all of it is out. And all of it is dependent on things you have none to do with. And it, that's kind of the thrill of it. But I don't know. You know, people lose their lives. People lose loved ones over it. Um, it's a real thing. Um, I think people only have a problem with gambling if, they're lose, if their partner is losing money. If your partner is winning money, like you're like, hey, you know what? It's just a hobby. Yeah, it's just a fun little hobby. A couple 500 bucks a month he makes extra doing this. Like, oh, okay. Whatever. Um, but yeah, but it could be also one of the things where some appears to be so easy is deemed to be so easy that you also take for granted of how easy it is to lose money. As easy as something is to get is as easy as it is to lose. Um, and that's why you gotta watch out for these pregnancy tests. Um, um, <laughs> but any, any jizz. But yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Now we're gonna go to the next phase. Okay, transition. Um, can't wait till I do. <laughs> wink, wink. Oh yeah, by the way, today's sponsor, uh, it's a good old friend for the video. Dunkin' Donuts. Um, me and Dunkin' have one thing in common. We keep America going. America goes on Dunkin' and Clinton. D.C. stands for diluted crime rates in the D.C. area. Huh. I've actually never been to the District of Columbia. But boy, would I want to meet a lady from... Columbia, not the District of Columbia. Uh, well, maybe the inner city District of Columbia. <laughs> because they don't have ties to the government. Um, <laughs> even though they probably do some work for some senators. Um, if you get my drift under the table, wink, wink. Oh, Monica, you got a friend in me and Bill Clinton. Hey, see what I did there. Um, get it under the table. Because uh, she uh, she gave Bill those Bill of Rights. Um, and now, like, he's, he can't even speak anymore. He's like, oh, oh, oh. his eyes are always so red and circular. Um, I appreciate him knowing, you know, the shapes. Oh, my God, you're back. Um, baby got back. Maybe no back. Throw it back. Um, baby got back in the rib cage. And crickets be pooping like a rampage. Jackson. Um, but yeah, they call me Shampoo Poppy. Because once I'm in your hair, you got to pull out the knots. And uh, ready or not, the boy is hot. And I pull off the tip like a cop. Um, I'll make your panties drop. Now, what am I freestyling right now? All right, here's the freestyle section. I'm going back to the old days of off and beat, hence in the name. 
I always told when I started the podcast, I always insinuate that I was going to always just randomly throw little raps in there because I used to put my little raps in the audio section to promote, not even promote, but just to show my talent, if you want to call it that. Um, all right, check it. Oh, yeah, she dropped her panties on the spot, ayy. Little did she know, I like tater tots, cause she crispy, and she miss me. She wanna know, baby, I'm like Scotty Pippy, except my son isn't dating Michael Jordan's son. Cause that's the tag team that I didn't want done. Oh, Larsa, why you causing arson in my life and financial being? And that's why Scotty's broke. Scotty Beam, because I'm a state of the culture. Oh, Joe, don't be butting the holder. Oh, no, man. Rory just had a baby. Oh, no, man. His album rollout was like, hey, baby. Um, It's funny how he used to shit on the baby for having anti-views uh, at a Rolling Loud concert. And now he's having an album rollout with the baby. Um, <laughs> oh, Rory. You know... I don't like the, I haven't talked about the pod in a while, like the Joe Budden and Rory Mal incident, because it happened literally like a year and a half ago, so it's kind of old news, but, you know, they, they'll they take little shots at each other, Joe has a nickname for them called the Bare Minimum Boys, and you know, actually, if you guys remember, you know, for the core fans of the pod, when that whole split between them happened, and I was on Rory Mal's side, because I honestly felt like... You know, forget the band standpoint, I wanted to focus on the show part, where I feel like, honestly, they were more of the attraction for why I came to the show, personally. Um, Joe was entertaining, still is and stuff, but you see, one thing when you when you do this and actually like have aspirations to take this serious and be taken serious in this one day, it's kind of ironic I say that being the fact I... Technically look like I do the bare minimum, even though I take a lot of fucking time to make this shit happen. So, you know what? Bear, naked boys. Who needs a naked brothers band, baby? Because I'm your real naked knight. Get it? Because my orange hat. All right. Alrighty. Oh, that was bad. Which, technically, you know they're the most successful Nickelodeon brand, music-wise? Like, they're the most successful Nickelodeon musician in terms of TV shows in their company's history. I just learned that like a week ago. It's, they had the best sales. Just take that for what it's worth. Even more than Ariana fucking Grande. Let that process in. Um, but um, yeah, no, if you guys remember the Rory Mal split with Joe Budden like a year and a half ago, the whole like accounting thing, blah, blah, blah. But, you know... One thing you kind of point hits, you you see the hints that Joe puts out, and you're like, hmm, I don't know about that one because you don't know when people in a group setting, when someone is running the show and technically they were employees under him, all they had to do was come in, do the pod, and all the other stuff was typically taken care of by Joe Budden or you know the team he hired that takes care of the podcast, and you see like he kept. The show to be respectable, right? When you actually look, because now the Rory Mall podcast, 
I'll catch a clip here and there, but I haven't watched a full episode in a while because it really does kind of seem like, man, like, it feels like they just show up and don't, like, it, you, you, if you guys listen to podcasts or watch shows, you can tell when someone is there just trying to fill the time quota. It's no different than when someone goes to a job and they have, they're just looking at the time like, yep, I gotta get my eight hours today or you know, work my one shift, whatever it may be. And with podcasting, it's a regular thing for algorithm purposes and people more likely to click on that one hour plus podcast and a 40 minute podcast because it typically shows that, oh, it's a better episode. Typically, the longer the episode, the better it indicates to the audience, even though that's not always true. Sometimes they need to drag, drag it out like fuck. But when you actually kind of look into this stuff and you're like, huh, you see, like, okay. And you see Joe Bunn's podcast consistently is like two hours, two and a half, three hours sometimes. And, you know, whether that's your preference or not, the point is, is like, when you, it sounds like there was a plan put in place when you listen to Joe Bunn. Even if it seems like they're just shooting the shit and there's going to be some natural things that come up that maybe wasn't planned. But you sense that there's a direction. And you can tell Joe takes it like that. He takes it like he's a showrunner. And he, he, I actually watched the interview of him on Earn Your Leisure. They did a interview with him. Like, it was probably months and months ago, but I saw it recently. He said, you know, my goal is honestly to, sooner rather than later, to not be in the seat. To have, to be in charge of other people's podcasts. And, you know, maybe come in here and there as a guest or something, but like, because this is work. When you take it like work, it becomes work. When you do this stuff multiple times a week, put X amount of hours, and then you put the time and effort, the mental energy, and you actually put into it, you have a different feeling and attachment to it. That's why he's considered one of the, like, podfathers, even though technically he didn't, like, start podcasting at the earliest age of inception but especially in the stream of quote-unquote when joe budden podcast first started it was technically like a hip-hop cultural podcast or whatever you want to call it and it's kind of transformed to a very multi-versity um podcast so but what you notice all you have to do is look at the two shows now, Joe Budden and Rory Matt. It's been over a year, year and a half. They've had some time to establish their style of show, their creativity, what they want their show to be. And there was a comment that Ish on the pod, or it was Ice or Ish, one of them said about Rory, is, and Dory was like, look, before the show was just shits and giggles, now we can actually have some real talks with guys like us on the show. And you're like, whoa. And what did I used to go for the Joe Bone Pot? I used to love the banter. I used to love the impromptu like type of dynamic they would have. It was more funny than anything else. And the thing is, is that's good when there's a lot of substance to the show. And there was still a lot of substance because when they would talk about music, they would get passionate. They have differencing, uh, different of opinions on things, which kind of brought that seriousness and the funny dynamic. Like, there was a structure to the show. They always opened with like 20, 30 minutes of just starting the shit. And then they would ease into the episode, introducing the podcast. Then they would have like a list that they would 
get to but it wouldn't sound like looking back it didn't it didn't feel like they had a list but you could tell like they had things in mind and they naturally let the show go at a natural pace to make it happen and so the bare minimum boys as joe calls them and i'm a big rory mal fan but when you look at the differences of their show now and how much influence it really feels they have on their own show. My thing is, I know Joe Budden has a lot of um, people on his show. Like, more guests on a regular basis. Like, he is, sometimes they'll have six or seven people on the show at a time. And it's like the same cast of characters. Now, they have a pretty consistent, like, roster of people that they consistently have on the show. And... But you still know, like, who the main ones are. And you know, like, Joe is leading this ship. You know nothing is going to be... Nothing happens on accident. No one's going to be brought on the show that doesn't actually contribute to the show. And they're not being... Like... And when you listen to Rory Miles' podcast, I know it comes from a very, very unsuccessful podcast at this point trying to criticize a successful podcast but I'm not really criticizing but I am comparing and contrasting what Joe is kind of getting at here so you see like they don't even have like control of their own show like you have like like they be having like four other people but they feel like they're like the producers and background having this input like feeding them of what to talk about but they don't actually like have an idea of what they're talk what they want to talk about. It feels like it's like, hey, we're gonna come in, just try to have for stuff for us to point out some topics and we'll make shit happen. And that's great. But you don't ever like they're afraid to get too deep into stuff. Like the only time they're passionate about things is when they're responding to some shit that Joe insinuates to his podcast when he takes shots at them. That's the only time you actually see them like get like real feeling about everything else. Like they're trying to walk on a thin line and viewpoint like Rory, like he tries to definitely protect his industry um, connections, which I guess if you're doing music, which he now is like technically it's like, yeah, like, I guess that's the thing, because you don't want to alienate people you may potentially work with or has connections people you may work with, or worse, well, make sure you don't work with people. But when you're doing a podcast and people come to you for for you to say found, like, then when you're trying to, because they're, they apparently, they, they, um I didn't see the episode, but someone pulled a clip where they interviewed Quentin Miller. And he basically was saying stuff about like, yeah, well, I pulled up and something about Nikki, Nicki Minaj. Like she basically, he was like not criticized, but like, yeah, no, this is what really took place. She was like, the, and he's like, well, and then Roy, so he was like immediately like, well, you know, we don't know. And he's like, well, no, nah, I was there. He's like, well, you know, we can't say for certain, you know, we, we got to protect. He's like, I mean, sure, I guess, but no, nah, I mean, I, I know what I saw. And it's like. It's like you could not, you cannot try to be defensive of everything and just be like, oh, hmm. When you see stuff like that, it's like, man, like, are you like afraid to actually speak or let someone speak something or about someone that 
just because you like them, they may say something that's kind of, you know, may not put that person in the best light. Because if you truly trust that person's character or whatever, you know that that won't stand anyways. But I think it's things like that, that um, you see like, oh, like it definitely feels like Rory Mal, they're more of in it to collect a check. And honestly, if they can make an income, the same income doing something else that they just partially enjoyed, they would probably do that instead of podcasting. Where with Joe... He has so much personal investment. He has so much of his time, his vision, and all that stuff. He has tried and failed certain things, creating a network, have other. But no matter what your opinion, like that dude is the opposite bare minimum. He may put too much time and thoughts into it, and I don't really mean that. But if anything, like you, you can never say the opposite. And that's where you're like, huh. It's like, and think about when you are trying to listen to a pleasurable thing, something that's a, like, listen to podcasts is like a luxury. Like, you're fortunate if you even have enough time in a day to truly listen to a whole podcast or part of a podcast. Why, like, in most people's lives are going to a job, punching the clock, getting out, and you just look forward to do stuff you want the rest of the day. And you choose to listen to something that you feel like, it's like if you showed up to someone's job and you were sitting in their break room and you were kind of seeing like how they operate at work, except you volunteered to just sit at someone's job for eight, for like an hour and a half, just to feel what they're doing. That's kind of like what it's like sometimes listening to podcasts when people are in it just for the money or the profit. And as someone who wants to make money doing this, I'm not going to shame you. And it doesn't mean you can't pawn a good show uh, most of the time. But I think at times, um, it, it will show. And people will notice. And when people are trying to listen and enjoy something, they don't want to feel like the people who are doing it are not enjoying it. Or they don't want to feel like the people that are doing it are kind of lazy. And the more and more you actually take something serious and you look towards something, the more you look at this stuff. And as someone who's been looking into gaining a successful podcast, because, you know, I'm in that manifesting stage, you look at this stuff. And that, that's one example of I don't want to ever be, no one will ever say I didn't put the time into this. No one will ever say I didn't give a shit. No one will ever say the second I get a check, like, if honestly, the, the more money I get, the more like probably I will feel more of a pressure than ever to put on a good show. And I feel that anyways, but you know, I just kind of, uh, over time I used to be 100% on Rory Mouse side and now I've completely flipped because as time goes by, not only maybe your thoughts on some change, but maybe you start to actually see stuff. When you see how people act on their own merit, not when they're in certain environments, that's when you see someone, when someone is in charge of their own stuff, you see like how they actually think about or how serious they take something. And I think now it's like, oh, this is what he meant. It's like all you essentially had to do is show up for our time slotted to do the pod. 
Like, that was essentially their main responsibility. And now that, oh, it's their show. They have this and that. It's like, you see, like, ah, oh, you know, well, eh, you know. It feels like a show that just kind of does it to... Because I feel like if they were to just be like, we don't want to do it, it I think, honestly, there's to an extent... I think there'll probably not be a podcast within the next year and a year and a half, if I had to guess. Because once their deal with SiriusXM is done, it's like a $10 million deal, which is still great money. I'm not going to, like... It's like, would they actually go the independent route? Like, and stay with it? Is that really something that they would be into? Is that really something that when you listen to their show, is that like really something like this is a priority no matter what? Like you listen to the show, it feels like a show that's like, hey, look, this is cool and all, but there's other shit that I like to do a whole lot more. And I think a part is like, it's like, do we really want to do this? Like, eh. I feel like a lot of reason why they probably keep doing it is they don't want to prove Joe right. That's a real thing. No one wants the person that told everyone all your faults and then over time to find out that they were kind of right that that's not excusing the maybe misconception of accounting i like you know i'm not saying that stuff didn't happen but we're just talking about purely like the effort and truly like the passion for the project passion for their show like I think Joe's on to something. And I kind of see it now. The older you get, the more like you kind of see things like, oh, are you looking from an older man's eye? And I'm a mature man. Um, but yeah. And I'm still a big fan of Rory Mal. Like Rory Mal to me, I still prefer the older version of Joe Budden because I very rarely listen to full episodes of Joe's podcast, like, that used to be something, like, man, like, the nostalgic of when I worked my job as a delivery driver. (laughs) Episodes would always drop, what was it, was it, it was always Tuesday and Saturday, or was it Wednesday and Saturday? I think it was Tuesday and Saturday. Every, like, an 8, 9 a.m., I'd be waiting for on Spotify, when they were part of Spotify and all that stuff. I'd just be waiting. I had to show up to work at 10, so I listen like 40 minutes before I get to work. And then in between all my morning to afternoon deliveries, it would just be like them getting to the funny shit. And literally, like, that would be like the best part of my day at the time. Like, for real. Like, because they're dynamic. It would like, very rarely do I actually look forward to any episode of any show now. And I didn't do a podcast then, but that show was a big influence of why I started. The why I always had desire for podcasts. I listened to podcasts for years before I ever started mine. I studied the shit out of, not literally, but when you listen to something enough, you actually take in like non, uh, non-explicitive cues of what you what's important when you do this stuff. Because it looks easy, and some people have a more natural feel than others. Um. But they were definitely one the ones that inspired me to do podcasts. It may even be the most, maybe the main reason why I want to do podcasts. And like, there was other podcasts I listened to, but like, in terms of like, damn, like, this is my type of shit that I like. Like, it would be cool if I had this podcast and then like, 
when I, you know, have a podcast where it's like with other people and it's like two hours plus and it's that group setting type of shit. Like there's something about those dynamics that you just cannot replace by a solo pod energy. That's why I like if you can do this for an income or a living one day. My ideal circumstance would be this show by itself, just me, just when I want to record, just when I just want to talk and get some shit off, and then another where it's like maybe with a couple people, it could be a friend, it could be two friends, it could be a guest-ridden podcast, like that type of where it's like a full group energy, and you could truly get into stuff without just one solo point of view. Like, that's what, like, honestly, like, really grind. Like, that's what really gets my dick hard. Um, <laughs> but seriously, it's that stuff that, like, you see and you're like, man, that shit, that's what inspires me. That's what keeps me doing this shit, you know. That's what makes doing podcasting the best. Because um, no matter, like, here's the beauty about it, right? Anything that you're truly self-invested in fault, like honestly, you don't even care about anything else that happens in life. Like, not that you literally don't care. But when other things happen that suck or not as good, it's like it's not this overwhelming, like, oh fuck. Like it's like, damn. That shit's like fuck. Because like you still have something to look forward to, no matter what's going on. And it may even sometimes, like, make you a little bit more, like, grounded. Sometimes it may even make you more humorous to have a sense of humor when shitty things are happening. Um, I'm very careful not to make a pod, because I think I used to do this early on. I think a lot of people, when they start podcasting, they, they, the immediate uh, initial instinct is to just, like, vent and just, like, say, like, what you feel all the time type of thing. And like this. You can't like feel some things and have a have a idea about things. And it doesn't mean you can never cry or like actually like have some self-reflection. But like People are coming to you, unless it's a specific type of podcast. For a podcast like this, a part like Joe and Roy, people are not, the people are coming there because they want to hear what they have to say about stuff specifically. And if you are going to get personal, find a way to still make it funny or entertaining. Entertainment, for the most part. Unless it's purely educational, it's purely entertainment. Anything, anyone that tries to say, oh, it's for the, like, no. You're voluntarily listening to someone for, no one nowadays, no one's listening. Education. That's not. There's plenty of education out there. That's hours and days full of education that we choose not to listen or watch or read. No, we want a simmered down, digestible, a non-monotheistic, whatever the fuck, where it's not just one feeling throughout. We want multiple feelings of this, that, and the other. We want to feel alive during it, you know? Or at least if it's one feeling, it's one joyous, like, high feeling. Like, something that, like, 
changes your mood, something that ramps you, something keeps you riveting. And I think as I'm like, I, I hate when like people that voluntarily do this shit and they don't actually fucking enjoy it. It, it boggles me. Like you, like people in my position, like we're not making any money doing it. We're doing it just because we genuinely love it and we want to get good at it. And we want to one day be worth the shit where people come to our show, listen to it, have a fan base and maybe be able to make money off of it. But it was done out of the most genuine of places. And when I see people just start shit because it's like, oh, we're going to start a show and after five episodes, start a Patreon. Like, who the fuck are you to start a Patreon? You have less people listening to your show than me. I literally saw, I'm not going to name the show. It is this, like, fairly brand new podcast. It's like, it's not really a big podcast or anything. Like, the show's not bad or nihilist. I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's not for me, but like, okay. Like, they, you know, they, they got some chemistry, these two people. And they're like, oh, by the way, guys, um... After our eighth episode, we're going to have a Patreon exclusive for where we only have, we'll have episodes up here for a week and then we'll take them down and put them on Patreon exclusive. And then we'll have some Patreon, well, once a month, we'll have a Patreon exclusive episode. And I'm like, and I checked their thing. It was like five bucks, which is like, oh, five bucks. So I'm paying five bucks a month for you to put out one Patreon episode. It's like you guys haven't warranted the biggest shows that have Patreon put out multiple episodes a week exclusively for Patreon plus added benefits plus added videos and content. And you have the audacity to think like, oh, we'll just put a random episode a month of this podcast and people will pay for it. It's like people are barely listening to the free version newsflash and like I'm I'm. Like, I wouldn't make a Patreon because it'd be a waste of time. And no one listens like that yet or watches. And I'm being honest about that. And it's just like, I'm all about creators finding ways to make money and stuff. But, like, you gotta have a sense of, like, realness. And that's where that delusion of, that's when you see that shit like, oh, these people don't really care for the actual enjoyment or the love of it and i don't want to get too cheesy about it but this is a profession where when people could tell you're not into it they'll tune out i was listening to um i can even tell like joe rogan for example i was listening to part of his burt kreischer podcast today the one that dropped today because you know he has like his movie the machine and all that stuff coming out and you can sense like with joe with his comic friends I've noticed this recently. It happened with Joey Diaz, and there was someone else I felt while listening. Compared to other guests he has, where he seems to be more into it, where I feel like when he has like his comic friends on, he's not really like um in it. Like you know, he's like going along with it, and he's like laughing and stuff here and there. But like, he doesn't really feel like he's like present. It feels like he's just trying to kind of like get through it. He's trying to let them get their shit off. and But he's not like personally like involved with it, if that makes sense. Compared to if he has someone that actually feels like he's going to teach him. Because I feel like 
he has such a low, like, uh, not standard, but I think he's just older. So he's like, he's had, he's taught these people multiple times on a personal relationship standpoint. And it, and except when he does protect our parks with Norman Gillis and, uh, Ari Shafir, that's when he's like fucking all in. But like when he just has like one of his, like, it almost seems like he didn't even want to do the podcast. He's just like, oh yeah. He's like, ha yeah, yeah, my wife wouldn't go for that. Like, he just seems like he's kind of like a moderator more than a person conversating. And I've noticed that. And I, I th- I'm i not going to blame him for that. I mean, dude, the dude's at episode 1,990. Like, Jesus, like, I'm at episode one. This is episode 196. <laughs> Think about it. And this thing has taken me two years of inconsistent schedule. By the way, I'm coming up on the two-year anniversary. Of this pod. Think about that. He's almost at 2,000 episodes. And this dude still. Even though he's financially. Has a lot of incentive. The one to do it. But this dude has never just like. Taken a month long break from podcasting. And he's got so much shit going on. He has all the money. But I don't know. I just found like. I just kind of noticed that. Like my point that was. Is you can tell when someone's just kind of there or doing it because they may have an obligation or when they just kind of like don't really want to be there but they're just putting on a good face and podcasting is there's so many and it's so voluntary that anytime someone feels like you're not into it why the fuck am I gonna be into it so yeah I guess I'm a bare maximum boy <laughs> uh, well there's the title of the podcast it literally only took me to the end but yeah Episode 196 of the Often Be Podcast with Clint Nelson. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe. Uh, appreciate the continued support. Um, but yeah, guys, most important ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to suck some titties. I'm not sure if I said at the beginning, but it's in the video now, so YouTube can add that to their processing there's a reason why it takes five hours of freaking processing goddamn video but yeah guys whenever this is posted have a great day me me